Chapter 56 Following the Suspects Herman stepped out of the elevator in shock. Klaus, too, looked shocked as he followed, with the two staring at a narrow tunnel that had a low ceiling and was lit by a set of carbide lamps hanging along its length. But this wasn't what shocked them. It was that on both sides of the tunnel stood a combination of old storefronts and the remains of former buildings. What is all this? Klaus gasped. I can only guess, Herman softly answered while noticing the use of Yiddish on many of the remains, which was a language he didn't see often during his time in Prague. Around fifty years ago, he added, the city began reconstructing Yosefov. They knocked down whole streets as well as many shops and other buildings, including a number of synagogues. They also knocked down all the bordellos my father once gleefully told me about. But it would seem that the community made use of the carnage. It's likely what's holding this tunnel up, which must connect this building with others in the city. Herman's explanation frightened Klaus. He looked as frightened as he had when Herman woke him from his nightmare that morning. Is something wrong? Herman asked. What reason would they have for a tunnel? Klaus asked back. That I can't answer, Herman told him. Why it was built or even when, I don't know. But I wonder if they were using all this as a means of worship after you closed the synagogues, much like how the Roman catacombs were once used. You'd be surprised at the lengths people went to worship in Theresienstadt. I know I was. This made Herman recall all he had witnessed on the Friday evenings he had spent at the camp. He recalled how people would gather every Sabbath in defiance of not just the rules but also of the misery they were suffering. Some would gather in an old garage, while others would do so in a small storage space. Still others would meet in the attic of the hospital. They created makeshift synagogues out of each of these, and Herman remembered them all, while re-experiencing the envy he felt that those who could have faith at such times, when he couldn't find any, even in the best of them. Suddenly noticing something, Herman started down the left end of the tunnel, doing so as quietly as he could. Now where are you going, whispered Klaus. Herman answered by pointing to the wheel marks and footprints on the ground and by whispering back, I'm following our suspects. Klaus followed too, though more than a bit unsurely. Herman noticed both this and how the man was glancing at the storefronts as if he recognized them. Is something wrong? Herman again asked. Again, Klaus avoided answering the question by asking his own. Where do you think this tunnel leads? I think we're heading toward the high synagogue, Herman told him. As this was only a block away, it didn't take them more than a few minutes to reach the end of the tunnel, which led to another that was somewhat perpendicular to the first, where they found a closed elevator. The two stopped in front of it, and they glanced around. At once Herman noticed that the wheel marks and footprints were now heading down the second tunnel to their right. He noticed, too, that these had been joined by another set of footprints that began at the elevator and belonged to a woman. It looks like our suspects have company, Herman remarked while pointing at the footprints, before he and Klaus started following them, while again making as little noise as possible. I think we're now moving in the direction of the Pinkus Synagogue, he added, 
at a volume that could barely be heard. Whose footprints do you think those are? Klaus asked, at the same volume and in a way that suggested he already knew the answer. Whose do you think they are? Herman asked back, in a way that suggested he too had a pretty good idea as to the answer. If I knew, Klaus grumbled, I wouldn't be asking. We'll find out soon enough, Herman maintained. The men continued on. This tunnel was far longer than the first, so they spent many minutes traversing it. But eventually they approached another intersection, where in the distance they saw another tunnel. Though these weren't the only things they noticed. They noticed voices, too. A trio of them. Two men and a woman. They were faint at first, but they got stronger as the two got closer, and this caused them to move even slower and quieter. Finally, they came upon the edge of the intersection, which they did with an abundance of caution. The voices were now not only louder but clearer, too, and Herman recognized two of them even before he peeked around the corner. So he wasn't surprised at all to see Gertrude, along with Tunda and Lujek. But what did surprise him was seeing the two men carrying Torres toward Gertrude, who was standing over a black wooden crate, which was lying inside the cart that the two men had rolled into the synagogue. Klaus was even more surprised to see this than Herman, and he gasped Gertrude's name. Shh, Herman whispered, as Tunda and Lujek reached Gertrude, who did something that surprised Herman even more. First she kissed two separate pairs of her fingers, before gently laying them onto the Torahs as the men just as gently placed them in the crate. What are those things? Klaus breathlessly asked while pointing at the Torahs. Those are the prayer scrolls I was telling you about when we were in the Spanish synagogue, Herman explained. That was what was missing from the Ark there, and from all the other Arks and all the other synagogues we've been. Now we know why they were missing. The two kept watching. They watched Tunda and Lujek walk up to a table and the set of Torahs on top of it. Carefully, they each picked up one and carried them to Gertrude. There are a lot more than six, Klaus noted. Like I told you, Herman reminded him, some of the other synagogues in the district were destroyed by the city. There are also other synagogues in Prague and elsewhere in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the country's entire collection of Torahs. I bet some are more than a thousand years old. Are they valuable, questioned Klaus. I guess they may have some nominal value, Herman answered, but they're really only valuable to us. Again, Tunda and Lujek reached Gertrude with the Torahs, and again she kissed them as they gently placed them in the crate. Why is she kissing them, Klaus muttered. We Jews kissed the Torah out of love for it, Herman let him know as Tunda and Lujic once more headed toward the table. But why is she kissing them, Klaus replied. Apparently, Herman replied back as he turned toward Klaus, apparently she's Jewish. She can't be, Klaus insisted while shaking his head over and over. Why can't she be, Herman uttered. Klaus tried to come up with an answer to this. He even opened his mouth to express one, but nothing came out. He had to realize that everything he had thought he had known about Gertrude had been a lie, and that this was the least of them. 
so we just stood there in shock while watching the men continue to pack the crate. Once this was done, they lifted a heavy black wooden board beside the crate, which had the insignia of the SS painted on it. This took some time, but after they got the board over their waists, they placed it on the crate. They then picked up some hammers and nails from the cart and began nailing the crate shut. Unbelievable, Klaus mumbled. What is, Herman mumbled back. They must have gotten that crate from the warehouse, Klaus contended. It's effectively like a diplomatic pouch. No one would search it. Not the army, not the border police, not even the SS. Herman smiled at this, as now most of the mystery had become mostly clear to him. What's so funny, Klaus quietly cried out. She's tricked Colonel Riedel into helping her transport the country's tourists, Herman cried back, just as quietly and with the glee he refused to hide. But how, Klaus asked. The treasure must have been a ruse, Herman answered. I bet she had Molly feed Riedel information about it, taking advantage of how the two were connected through their responsibilities for the synagogues. But what about that ducat you found in Kleiner's pocket, Klaus countered. I bet they planted it for Riedel and Kleiner to find, Herman countered back, to convince them that the treasure was real, along with that blueprint Captain Fisher had, which must have acted much like a treasure map. In conjunction with all this, Molly probably made up some story about needing a way to transport the treasure, which Riedel likely supplied in exchange for a cut of it. I wonder if those murdered men got too close to the truth. It's strange that Riedel would trust Molly, commented Klaus with a shake of his head. I doubt he did, Herman argued. That could be why he was looking for the treasure. But he trusted him with the crate, Klaus added. I doubt that as well, Herman replied. I'm going to arrest them right now, Klaus blurted out, and he started toward the three. But Herman stopped him. He did by saying, What's the hurry? Don't you want to see the end of the opera? Not really, Klaus grumbled. Listen, Herman, this has gone on way too far already. I have a responsibility to arrest them. We still don't know how they plan on getting that crate out of here, Herman pointed out. They take it up in the elevator, Klaus insisted. Herman responded by mentioning, The elevator only went to the cellar. And there's no way that they're getting that crate up in the dumbwaiter. Nor are they going to carry it up any stairs. It must weigh a ton. What difference does it make how they plan on getting the crate out of here, Klaus groaned. We don't know who else is involved in this, Herman explained. We can't even be sure that they were the murderers. They could still lead us to them. Clearly they were the murderers, Klaus uttered. You yourself said that the victims got too close to the truth. Who else could have done it? That's what I want to find out, Herman uttered back. If we follow them to the end of this, we'll know for sure. Isn't that worth just a little longer wait? It isn't like they're going to escape your grasp, especially not while dragging that cart around. Klaus thought about this. He thought about it for a long time. It looked as if he were thinking through every possible permutation and all that could go right and wrong. Finally, he sighed and muttered, All right, and he and Herman went back to watching. 
They watched Tunda and Lujek put the last nails in the crate. I just don't understand, Klaus said while shaking his head again. What don't you understand, Herman asked. Why would someone go through all this trouble for a bunch of prayer scrolls, Klaus told him. You couldn't understand, Herman told him back. Nor could I, for that matter. We'd have to have faith. Despite saying this, Herman felt something strange. He wasn't sure what he was feeling, but he knew that he was feeling something after seeing all Gertrude had done and risked to save something whose value was only spiritual. He might have even been tempted to call this a twitch of faith or an impulse toward it if he had ever experienced such a thing. What he didn't know was that he was actually taking the first step toward the man I would know all my life, a man who was devout in spite of his weakness for Utopense, and who had become moved whenever anyone took out the Torah during service and carried it through the congregation. This wasn't just a ceremony to him. He was reliving the miracle he had witnessed in the tunnel which was probably why he never once failed to kiss the Torah when it came by. Finally, Tunda and Lujic finished fastening the crate, and they began rolling it forward, followed by Gertrude. You were right, Klaus mumbled. They're not taking it back to the old new synagogue. They must be taking it to the Klausen. I don't think so, Herman speculated as he took a step around the corner and saw both the cart and the three people in the distance. He further took out the old brass compass from his jacket pocket, the one he would give to me on my bar mitzvah, which came with the inscription, May it always give you direction. Where did you get that? Klaus uttered in surprise while pointing at the compass. It looks just like the one you had in college. It doesn't matter, Herman insisted before gazing at the device and adding, The Klausen isn't in that direction. I don't know where they're taking the crate, but there's one way to find out.